This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Start, I just want to say there is um, unfortunately a girl who's, who, uh, who's having seizures this past Shabbos, and she was found to have had a lot of major issues, and uh, the surgery is going to be tomorrow. It's a very, very delicate surgery, and it's going to be on the head. So the name is Ora Bracha Basyadida Yafa. Okay, so Ora Bracha Basyadida Yafa, so we're going to have that. I'll try to send it out to people. Yeah, I'll send it out to people later on tonight, so if anybody needs the name. But uh, again, so just keep that name in your head while we're having the shir. The shir will be in her, in, uh, let's just say, for his chus for foolish lame for her. Ora Bracha Basyadida Yafa. So the Pasuk says like this, Parshish Yisro, 5777. The Pasuk says, Parakir Tes as the oval, as the ram's horn was blown, so they went up the mountain. It says, and Pasuk It was on the third day. As the morning came, there were lightning, thunder, and a great cloud came upon the mountain. The noise of the shofar was very, very great. Everybody was afraid. Everybody became very scared from the kolos that were there. The kol of the shofar became very, very strong. Moshe would speak, and Akadosh Baruch would answer with a voice. Three times we see the word shofar being used in these psukim, referring to the kol shofar that came at Har Sinai. So we're going to talk about three different things. Number one, what was the point of this shofar? Number two, what was this shofar from? Where did this shofar come from? And number three, what's going on here? What's the message that Akadosh Baruch wants to give us through this shofar? The message of it becoming stronger and stronger as time went on. So the first thing, Rashi tells us that the horn was from, people should know this, right? It's from the horn of the Akedas Yitzchak. After Yitzchak was taken down, they found the aisle. That aisle that was made, during the first six days of creation, that aisle, that ram, who was burned as an Ola, they took the horn from that aisle, and it was used over here as well. The Sifzachamim says he learns this from the fact that it says, Hayovo, Bimshoch Hayovo. It sounds like it's the well-known ram, the ram that everybody knows about. The hay always refers to that, and therefore it's got to be the ram, the ram that was used by the Akedah. That must be what it's referring to over here. Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer, Paraglamet Aleph says, the left horn was used here by Harsinai. The right horn will be used in the future to herald Mashiach's arrival. There's going to be two different parts, the left horn and the right horn. That right horn is going to be in the future. The left horn is for right now. That's what's happening right now. Says the Rabbeinu Ephraim. The Rabbeinu Ephraim says over here, Hayovel is the gematria of Zehoayo, 53 altogether. And the, the word Gadol Right is also ha'ayo as well, to hint to this idea that it was this that we're referring to over here. He also says the word shofar is written without a vav in the Pasuk. Shofar is written without a vav, he says, because it refers to the ayo which was created on the sixth day, that's the vav, ben ashmashos, was created on the sixth day right before Shabbos started to indicate when this ayo was there. It was made specifically for this purpose, not only to be used as the akeda, but also to be used as the horn to be used at this time right over here. And not only that, the vav refers to, he says, to all the different areas where the, where the sound came from. It came from when they heard the chauffeur blast. It wasn't like you normally hear a chauffeur blast. You turn your ear to it and you hear it from right over there. The chauffeur blast was coming from all four sides, from the Shemaim and from the Aretz. They heard the chauffeur reverberating against every single part of the land. That's what they heard it as. It was a miraculous sound, a crazy sound that they heard, all coming from this aisle that had come over here. All of that is from the Rabbeinu Ephraim. What do you got, Ben? Uh, two things. One... Unless I have it wrong, um, Ha'ayo and Gadol don't equal the same thing. Uh, altogether, Ha'ayo is, 30, is 40, 46 altogether, yeah. right? 
30, 40, 43. So you probably have to add on the three letters, right? You'd have to add on the three letters to it. Okay. And right? Yeah. Thing, if, if, these were, if these are physical horns, they're being... Oh, I'm sorry. That was a mistake on my part. It's not ho'ayl. It's bi'ayl. Because the Pusik says the word bi'ayl, etc. over there. That's the reason why. It's uh, bi'ayl, not ho'ayl. Yeah, my bad. Uh, yeah, and? And, and if, they're, if they're physical horns, they're being blown by a person? By so that's the question. Hold on a second with that question. It's a great question. Hold on with that. That's where I've been with The Ramban says this doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. What's a corbinola? What do you do with a corbinola, everyone? What do you do with a corbinola? It's burned completely. You burn every single part of the animal. The only thing that's not burned are the skin. You strip off the skin. But it could be that even before Matan Torah, before the Matan Torah was given, before the Torah was given, that at Korban Ola was you, you burn the entire animal. Literally the entire animal. You take the entire animal, including the skin, even though it might be toxic and smells weird, but you take the entire animal and you put it on top of the, the Amnes Bayach and you would burn the entire thing. So how in the world was there a horn left? Where would there be horn? Where was this horn the entire time, says the Ramban? It makes no sense, he says. It should have been burned completely with everything else. But he answers, it's possible that a Kaddish Baruch who gathered up its ashes, the ashes of the horn, and recreated it to form into a horn to use at Har Sinai. It's possible that that's what happened over here. The Rabbeinu Bechaya says it was the entire ram that was recreated, not just the horn. Every bit of that aisle came back to life and is used for something at some other point. Pick it, Rebbe, as it goes through. The sinews were used, the horns were used, the hooves were used. Every single part of it was used in some way, shape, or form. That's how the Rabbeinu Bechaya says it as well. Divrei David proves it as well. Does anybody remember what Titus's punishment was after Titus destroyed? Anybody remember what his punishment was? Gathered up the ashes. He was burned into ashes. What he did, what he wanted to make sure is that he would be burned into ashes and scattered upon the seven seas. His punishment in Gehenna is that every single day he's burned into ashes and scattered upon all the seas out there. That's the idea. So what does the Kaddish Baruch do? He brings them back to life, burns them down again, and scatters them everywhere. It's the same thing with this aisle. The exact same thing with the aisle. The aisle's concept is is that he's burned down, but he can still come back. The Tzchiyas Mason is there. That's how the Divrei David says that's how it is. That's the concept behind it. Rabbeinu B'chaim says it is a certainty. The Ramban is misupik. He doesn't know. Either way, says the Shach, Hashem purposely used the shofar. Why? Because of Matan Torah, what happened to the Jews? They all died when they heard a Kaddish Baruch Hu's voice when he was screaming out loud, Anochi, below Yelecha. They all died. At that moment when they all died, there was a Tchiyas HaMesim that happened. The Tchiyas HaMesim that happened to them is for, for, I guess you could say, it's already a forbearance. It was given beforehand. They knew about it. Because of what happened with the aisle. When they saw the chauffeur who was brought back to life, they knew that they could be brought back to life. That's the concept they say over here. The Mizrahi... Why were they all afraid? Either way, that's still scary. Even if you get it, it's still scary. The Mizrahi answers, either it was cut off before the animal was burned, and that's how they have the horn, that's how it happened, and it was passed down from generation to generation, or it was taken off after they sprinkled the blood, and that wouldn't be me'il on the animal. You were allowed to do such a thing after they sprinkled the blood. But that's that two other answers, the Mizrahi says. No, it's after you already no, brought the korban. No, definitely not. Horns would not make it a balmum. Wouldn't make it a balmum. The Ibn Ezra, the Chizkuni, and Rav Sadiagon all say that there were two shofar blasts here. Two shofars. Not just one, not the aisle, but two of them. The first one was a ram's horn. It was not the ram, not the one that we're talking about of Yitzchak Avinu's aisle. That's not what we're referring to. It was a ram's horn used to gather the people in Pasuk Yud Gimel. That's number one. Then there was a special shofar that made a noise that they had never heard before. This was not a normal horn's blast. This was a blast 
that was so loud, it was heard over the thunder when the lightning and the thunder was going. It was heard over the thunder and every other sound at Harsinai, and it was extremely distinct. Says Ibn Ezra, we have no idea what this sound is. We've never heard it before. But this shofar blast is the same shofar blast that will be done Lavo when Mashiach and Elio and Avi come and herald the arrival of what's going to be the new age of Yemos Mashiach. That shofar is going to be there. But we have no idea where it came from. Is there an actual shofar? Is there an actual shofar that's being used? Could be. But we don't know. That's the concept of what's happening over here. Rav Chaim, Rav Chaim Knievsky and Tamim Dekro says specifically the reason why the word shofar is being used in these psukim without a vav, although you should know in Pasuk Tazayin there is a vav. In Yud Tess, there's no vav. But the reason why in Yud Tess, I guess, it's written without a vav is because there was no real shofar here. There was no shofar. It was a sound that sounded like a shofar blast, similar to that Ibn Ezra, Rav Sadiagon, it's saying that. And that's why the shofar by Yovel that we blow every 50th year to free the slaves and to bring the land back to where it goes is with the vav because they blew an actual horn. Here there was no actual vav and that's why in the future by Yeshaya, Chav Zayin, Yitaka ba shofar gadol, and we all know that passage, right? Uboa ovdim mi'eretz ashur v'anidochem mi'eretz mitzrayim, u'rayi yishtachavol Hashem v'aharetz kodesh b'yerushalayim, which we say in Rosh in our tefillah, that line it says shofar, it's shin vav peresh. That's going to be a real shofar. But this one was just a sound. There was nothing more than that. He says that's the idea. He says I have a kasha. I don't know if that's going to work out with all the other places in Tanakh where shofar is written without a vav. Even here, I don't quite understand it because the word shofar is written with a vav in Tazayin and Pasuk Tazayin. But regardless, the concept that at first, at, at, according to this Reb Chaim, there was an unbelievable sound, but it wasn't the actual shofar blast itself. That's Reb Chaim. Ksav Kabbalah says the word shofar does not come from the word shofar, as in a horn that's used to blow. The word shofar comes from the word shapir. What is the word shapir? As in shapir dummy mean? Good, better, beautiful, something great, right? He says the word shofar is a sound that sounds beautiful and clear. That's what it sounds like. There was no shofar being used here. No horn. No ram. The same idea as the Ibn Ezra. The same idea as Rukhain Knievsky. The same idea as what the Chizkuni is saying. There was no horn here. It was a beautiful, clear sound. What did that, what did that sound like? I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. I've noticed that at the end of weddings, I don't know, at certain weddings, like by when Simcha Liner or when uh, Ohad is there, they have this thing where they all go at the end of every song, they go, ooh, like that. No idea where that came from, right? But I feel, I feel that's not exactly it, but it's something like it. Like a sound that just goes straight out. It's just a little sound that comes through, but it was strong. This one was very, very strong, but it wasn't a chauffeur blast. It was just a clear sound that could come from a ram's horn, but it didn't because the Kaddish Baruch Hu and Shemayim would not have used a physical ram's horn in order to make this sound that wouldn't have happened over here. It was just the clear voice of how a Kaddish Baruch Hu was telling it through. And in that sense... This pasuk, Vayikola Shofor Holech Bechazek Ma'od, the noise of the shofar was very strong. That's not how you read it. Here's how you read it. The voice of Akarish Baruch Hu when he said over the Aseris Adibros was clear as day. That's how you read it. That voice of Hashem that was clear got stronger and stronger as it went on. Moshe would speak out the Aseris and Hashem would allow his voice to be heard. It was a beautiful sound, not the sound of a, of a shofar. It was the sound of HaKadosh Baruch Hu speaking out the Aseris Adibros. That's a tremendous Kiddush, an absolute tremendous Kiddush. The Ramban and then says, there's a special secret here. And the truth is, this is obviously Sotas Torah Kabbalah, and we're not ready for stuff like this. We're going to say this in the idea that I understand it as, which is very, very small. We'll give a little bit of this idea, and that's that. The Ramban says, this noise is called Pachad Yitzchak. 
The noise that the shofar makes is called pachad yitzchak, causing all the people to be afraid. And Pasuk Tazayin, they heard the shofar and they were afraid. They were trembling. That's what pachad yitzchak is. They heard no words. It was a plain coal, says the Ramban. Now the Rabbin Abachai in Vayera, not here, but in Vayera by the Akedah, says this shofar is used in Roshana to spur us to do tshuva. The idea is, is that Yitzchak Avinu stood for what Mida did Yitzchak Avinu specialize in? Gvura, Midas Adin. It's scary. The, the idea that this shofar represents is an idea of scariness, something that's a power. There's a power behind it. That the Gvura of Yitzchak is sort of pushing itself through, making us being afraid, not just afraid, having an awe for something, that Pachad Yitzchak that goes through. And in an ace Tzara, in a time of pain, we ask to be saved. Anenu with that pachad yitzchak that's there. That's the idea behind it. It could stop us. That's the noise, so to speak, that we heard at Harsinai spurring us on to do tshuva, similar to the shofar that we have in Rosh Hashanah, trying to get us to do tshuva. It's difficult to understand what the Ramban means, though. Difficult to understand that. In addition, you got to wonder why the Ibn Ezra would say that the people were afraid because of the shofar blast itself. There's lightning and thunder going on all around you. The lightning is crazy. The thunder is unbelievably loud. And they're afraid of the shofar? Why the chauffeur? People are scared of their minds of thunder. You have those huge thunderclaps that come down. It scares you. We even have a pusik. That's why thunder was created. So that people would actually have a fear of something. We'd actually be afraid of something. So I don't understand. That's what you're afraid of? You're afraid of the chauffeur blast? You're not afraid of the thunder? What does that mean? Well, what's the idea behind this? What, what are we talking about over here? So there's a safer called Dorash David. Came out not too long of a Rav Hofstetter, I believe. It's an unbelievable safer. They said in the following, he says why it was there in the first place and everything. It's possible that the shofar has another meaning to it. If I would ask you, what's the purpose of the shofar? Almost everybody will say to get us to do tshuva. That's what you have. That's the Rambam. The Rambam says in Hilchus Rosh Hashanah that the purpose of the shofar is to get us to all do tshuva, to build ourselves up and to want to do something better, to try to connect back to our Baruch Hu, which makes a lot of sense. But it's more. In the Midbor, when they wanted to gather the people together in Parshat Baloscha, you know what they used to gather all the people together? Not a chauffeur, not exactly, but you guys are close. Chatzotzros, that's exactly it, Michael. Chatzotzros, trumpets. The idea of a trumpet, and here we'll use the chauffeur in the same vernacular, the same idea. The idea is to gather the people together and bring them achtos. Chauffeur connects people with one another. His idea is, is that the chauffeur is a catalyst the call that causes all the slaves to go free and allows all the land to go back to their original owners. We know that when Mashiach and Eliyahu and Avi come in the future, they're going to bring us all together. The Shofar Gadol is going to gather us together. It's the purpose of Achtus, of bringing us together. It's not just about Shuva. It's about bringing us together and making us feel like we're one big people, like one big group. That's the concept of what I was referring to over here. This chauffeur had the ability to remove barriers. It had the ability to knock out all the things around us and open up our hearts to do tshuva. That was the idea. In other words, with Achtus, with that group together, people can help each other to build themselves up. It, it's true by anywhere. If you have a group of people that are working together to make something happen, like a chabura of people that are really trying to work hard and make themselves into something, that changes everything. Doing it on your own is sometimes hard, but if you have friends and people that are with you, that want to work together with you, that want to build something up, that want to go together with friends, you can build up a tremendous, tremendous thing. And that's by Yichan Yisrael Negedahor. When Bnei Yisrael came to Harsina, they needed to have that actus. They needed to put themselves together in order to be ready for everything that was there. And here's the pshat. The pshat is, the shofar was blown in Harsinai not only to wake them up, 
not only to get them to do tshuva, not only to get them to our Sinai itself, but more, to accept each other as their nation and to be ready for the lightning and thunder, which would bring them fear and awe, allowing them to do mitzvahs better. That's what they were doing over here. This shofar caused them to be more aware of their surroundings. So it's this idea. It scared them. How did it scare them? Because by bringing everyone together, they realized we're a great people. We're an awesome nation. We have to work together to work harder to fear our Kaddish Baruch Hu and to do everything together. That's the concept. And we see that Achtus was that prerequisite from Vayichan Yisrael and the The shofar was there to strengthen that idea. And that's the concept. Not just for tshuva, but to bring everyone together and then tshuva comes automatically. We're going to on a really high level at that time because 100%. They had built themselves up 49 levels. They were already at Achtus when they got to Harsina. Right. Now it's a question of continuing that Achtus. It's very, I don't want to say it's easy. Achtus starts in one way, but you have to build on that. You have to keep building on that. They did it. That's the idea of what's happening over here. They continued building on it. They continued becoming greater. That Achtus was tremendous for them and it kept going because of what they heard in the show for and itself. It's hurting them because they did it a lot that's a good call on that one being together it's sort of like the Migdal Bavel right where they all got together to do the wrong thing so, so they all got together to do the Egel Azov there's what to argue on that I hear what you're saying it's a good question but I, it, nonetheless the Achtus is worth it even though in the end this is what the result was it's a good call there's something to talk about with that now the wording in Pasuk Gimel is a little strange everybody saw that wording over there when it said in Yudgimel Bim Shocha Yovel Heimayalu Bahor when the Yovel blows, when the horn is blowing, they go up the mountain. Now, the truth is, that's not true. What, what happened when the horn would blow? You're not allowed to go up the mountain. That's when Harsinai happened. You cannot go up the mountain while the Aseris Adibros are going on. So what does that mean? Bimshocha Yovel, Heimayalu Bahor. This is another way of learning it over here. Rashi, the Rashbam, and the Chizkuni, all Rishonim, they all learn that when the shofar lets out the long blast at the end, sort of like the Tekia Gedola, you know what I'm saying? The Tekiah Gedola at the very, very end, then you know it's time to stop where everything stops. You can walk up the mountain. You can do whatever you want. It's time to go up the mountain when you hear that last final shofar blast. When it pulls out a little bit longer, then that's when you know you're ready to go up the mountain again, but you cannot go up there up until that point. Until then, you're warned not to go anywhere near it. The Miam Lois says, it's actually referring to Aaron, his sons, and the Zikanim that they would be allowed to go up when the shofar was finished, but B'nai Yisrael were not going to go up there at all until the Mishkan was completed. Until the Mishkan was completed, there's no reason for them to go up. But Aaron and his sons and the Zikini were allowed to go somewhat up, a little bit up. They were allowed to go up there. Either way, we learn from here an interesting point. We don't know where Harsinai is. We have an idea because of those little Sinai rocks. You know what I'm talking about, right? You know the Sinai? You have one? awesome. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I, I guess you can find them somewhere. The rocks that have this unbelievable little thing inside there. It, Sinai, one of the reasons why it's called Harsinai is because of the sneh, the burning bush. Because the burning bush that Moshe Rabbeinu saw was on Harsinai, so it's called Harsinai for the sneh. In every rock from this area of the Sinai Peninsula, there is some geological formation, which is just coincidental, that happens to be that every rock has a little picture of a sneh on it. A little picture of a bush. You don't have to believe me. I'm telling you, it's the most unbelievable thing you've ever seen before in your life. Just look it up. Go look it up somewhere and something that is mutter, a mutter internet, and that should be okay, right? And if you go look it up and check it up yourself, it's the most unbelievable thing. So here's the shot. Harsinai is no longer holy to us. It's no longer. I, I'm sure that there would be people making those trips every single year on Shavuos to learn on the mountain where we received the Torah. I know that that's what people would do. It'd be interesting because we keep, you know, we keep Shavuos on the day that Shavuos didn't happen. 
There's Machlokas in the Gemara if it was on the 6th or the 7th, right? But it likely was on the 7th. And in Eretz Yisrael, you keep Shavuos on the 6th. We keep Shavuos in America on the 6th and the 7th, right, on both days. So we have it both. But regardless, they would go up there, and I'm sure they would use it. But there's no Kedusha to Harsina. Once HaKadosh Baruch Hu left, when the Yovel left, when it was blown, you could do anything you want. You want to bring animals on top of the mountain? You can bring animals on top of the mountain. You want to do anything on that mountain? The mountain retains no holiness. It is not the Makom that has a bit of Kedusha. It's the people that are on the mountain that have the Kedusha. That's the concept behind it. Maybe because HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't want there to be a holy place outside of Eretz Yisrael. The Meshach Chachma says that's extremely important for these people. These people were into Avodah They loved Avodah Any time they had a chance to worship a place, a thing, something, they were willing to worship it. If they would have thought of this mountain as anything but just a mountain they would have worshipped the mountain itself. They would have treated the mountain as a god or as a manifestation of God because of what they saw on that mountain. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made it very clear. This mountain has no Kedusha. Do not worship it. Don't come anywhere near it. I don't want you going anywhere near Sesem HaShachachma, specifically to st- keep B'nai Yisrael away so that they wouldn't have to worry about them keeping Avodah The Ibn Ezra and Rav Sadigon say, this sound will be made, this idea after Moshe Rabbeinu comes down in Harsinai. Bimshocha Yovel is not now. Bimshocha Yovel is after the second Luchos are brought down by Moshe Rabbeinu on Yom Kippur. That's when Moshe Rabbeinu came down the third time from Harsinai. When he comes down with those second Luchos, as he comes down, to let the people know it's time to go up the mountain. Now it's time to go up. Now it's time to be able to go up the mountain. That's that. Nuyam Loez says another idea over here. If someone does go up the mountain, but he's so far away that you can't shoot him, because you have to shoot the person with an arrow. If you see a guy going up the mountain at Harsinai, if you see that happening and he's too far up already, you can't catch him and you can't shoot him, then wait until Bimshocha Yovel. Wait until the Yovel pulls out and then Yalu Bahor. Go up the mountain and kill him then. That's what you should do. And that's the line, says the Miam Loez. Don't let him get away with what he just did. He was impudent and he went up the mountain when he shouldn't have. Make sure that he dies. Hema Yalu Bahor and chase after him at that time right over there. But the Malvin has another idea that goes completely against everything we just said. Malvin says, if B'nai Yisrael handle the shofar blast well, if they hear it and they say, oh, we hear you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We're part of you. We want to be part of this. And remember, the shofar blast was getting louder and louder and louder as time was going on. It started off slow and low at a low octave and it kept going up and up and up and up. And here's the deal. People can handle this if they believe they can handle this. If B'nai Yisrael would have heard it, as it gets louder and louder and louder, so loud that their ears were ringing, their eardrums felt like they were popping, if they would say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, give me the strength to go on, if they would have said that, they would have been able to handle it without any problem whatsoever. If they would have heard, they did, they heard the Aserah Zedibros from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what happened the first time? They died, and they had Tchiyas Mason. They heard, Lo Yelacha, they died, and they had Tchiyas Mason. And then what did they do? They go up to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, we can't handle this anymore, you speak, we can't do this. If they would have continued, they would have been on the level of Moshe Rabbeinu for the rest of their lives. If they do this, if you can handle, says the Malbim, you can handle that shofar blast. If you can deal with this, you'll be as high up on the mountain with Moshe Rabbeinu. It won't be Moshe Rabbeinu going on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. That's not what's going to happen. It's not Moshe Rabbeinu going up and then bringing it down for the people. You know what's going to happen? Every single Jew is going to be able to go up on the mountain and accept the Torah directly from HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself, they'll all go up the mountain together to be able to receive that Torah. Can you believe that? 
It wouldn't have been the way that it is now. Moshe Rabbeinu brought the Torah down. Moshe Rabbeinu explaining the Torah to the people. Then we have Torah Shabbat Peh. It would have been everyone going up. If you can handle this, guys. You'll all be able to go up on the mountain. And unfortunately, we know what happened. They couldn't handle it. They said, stop. Let Moshe do this. And because of that, they lost out on an unbelievable opportunity. An unreal opportunity. They said no. What's up, Jay? So that's a great call. I always thought when I read that Malbim, I thought to myself, what about Aaron? Think Aaron didn't do it? Think Aaron wasn't on the level? Apparently, according to this Malbim, even Aaron sat up and he said, I can't do this. I can't handle it. Even Aaron. And the only person who could handle it was Moshe Rabbeinu. Achtas together, everyone together, that's a good call of Achtas together. But I think the idea is, is that even Aaron had a problem. I, I can't tell you, I, I have no idea. It seems like this is harsh. Now, I would give a dollar to anybody here who can tell me where this chauffeur was used once again. Do not tell me in the future, because that was a different horn. Remember, the left horn is used at Harsinai of the aisle. The right horn was used in the future without looking at the sheets, because I don't want you to cheat. Because if anybody could tell me, I would be very impressed. What? Very good, you got your dollar. That's awesome. I think I only have a 20 on me, though. So you have change for a 20? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I only have a 20. So yeah, I only have a 20. So we'll, we'll, I'm, I'm expecting. Guys, you're all witnesses. Everybody's a witness. I even have video. It's <laughs> on video. I owe you a dollar. It's amazing. Yuriko says the Balaturim, there are two places where the word bimshoch is used in Tanakh. Two places. One is here, and one is by the walls of Yuriko that they blew on this chauffeur, that chauffeur of the aisle that was used by Akedis Yitzchak. Now, according to the Rishonim above, that there was no aisle. Okay, obviously, you don't, you don't have this. But according to the Ramban, the Rabbina Bachaya, Rashi, and the Midrashim, Pirkei Rebbe Leezer, it was that aisle that they used to defeat the city of Yericho. It's not mentioned, you should know, by the way, I think this is a Chiddush of the tour. This is not a medrash that I saw. I, I'm not like an expert in Midrashim. This is not a medrash that I saw anywhere. The Torah Shlema, I don't think brought it unless I totally missed it. This is the Tours Chiddush, that the shofar used by Yericho is the same shofar used by Harsinai from that word Bimshoch, which is an amazing Chiddush. By yeah. There were other chauffeurs, that is correct, but there was one long chauffeur blast that was used for the walls of Yericho to come down. Apparently, this was it. Whether Yoshua blew it or not, I don't know who blew it. If it was Pinchas, if it was Yoshua, if it was somebody else, I have absolutely no idea. But that's, uh, wouldn't have been Pinchas, it would have been Elazar, I would assume, right? But I, either way, regardless, I have absolutely no idea what is going to be over here. Now, we all know this. Rashi and the Ibn Ezra say normally when you blow a chauffeur, you hear a guy blowing a chauffeur, it starts off strong and it gets weaker and weaker when he runs out of breath. We see that, right? This chauffeur blast was the opposite. It started off weak, and it got stronger as time went on. No matter how strong it was, though, no matter what, they were still able to hear the word of Hashem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's words were loud and clear, no matter what. The amazing thing was not only that, not only Hashem's word, Moshe Rabbeinu's word was amazing. They could hear every word of Moshe Rabbeinu's mouth. Moshe Rabbeinu spoke, and they could hear it. Think about this. They had 600,000 men between the age of 20 and 60. That means they had about 3 million people. You include women, children, older men, etc. You have about 3 million people standing there. 3 million people? Do you know how big of a stadium you need to hold 3 million people? There is no place that can hold 3 million people. The biggest stadium in the world, anybody know how much it can hold? I'm sorry? It's about 106,000. It's Michigan State, the stadium for Michigan, whatever it is, right? I'm sorry? Oh, the new soccer stadium is bigger? 
So they, so, okay, so South America doesn't count. I don't, we, we, civilized nations. <laughs> normal nations, right. Where they have water that you can drink. Anywhere where you have water where you can drink. How do you have, I'm not talking about stuff that's going to fall apart in five years. But it, the, actual, the actual case is, this regarding an actual stadium, an actual sports stadium, in you know, North America we'll say, is Michigan Stadium. That's what the, the big blue, I think they call it. I think that's what they end up calling it. Whatever. If, according to Guinness Book of World Records. North Korea, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. 114. It surprised me, yeah, yeah, no question. Of course, North Korea, right? They'll bomb it eventually. So the, but the biggest stadium out there, biggest stadium out there, if you want to count like huge area stadiums, there are the, the racing stadiums, you know what I'm talking about, where they have like NASCAR, stuff like that. There they can hold 180,000, almost 200,000 people. That's because they're huge. Obviously, you're around the racetrack, right? And they're tall, they're unbelievable. That's that. You need somebody from the South to tell you that. But altogether, they have about 200,000 people. Can you imagine? Three million people, there is no way one person will be able to say, I know he's on a mountain and the echoes can reverberate everywhere. There's no way. This is a miracle beyond miracles that they were all able to hear Moshe Rabbeinu. How, how did they ask him to... To, to do it, to do I would it. assume it was through messengers. Yeah, and I think no, I even saw that. On the no, 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 no. Aaron was close enough to the mountain that he was able to say something to Moshe Rabbeinu. There was levels on the mountain that they went to. Because we're thinking of mountain, you just think of like what you came home with from school when you were in second grade of like a little bowl, right? With a little green thing on top and you put little flowers on it, right? You all made that. That's not what a mountain is. <laughs> like anybody who's seen a mountain, right? There's different levels of every mountain. There's little areas around it. It wasn't like a clear like plains, mountain. That's not what it's like. Or any mountain range is going to be different than that. What's up? They claim, like Grand Park, but they're also counting all the people all around. You know what I'm saying? Like all there. And there's no way that one person would be able to speak and be able to have anybody here. The most you'll hear, if you don't have a microphone, which I'm assuming Moshe Rabbeinu didn't have, I'm pretty sure. I'm not positive, though. Right? I, again, haven't found a metric on that. Right? But I, assuming that way, there's no way more than 10,000 people will be able to hear you, let alone 100,000, let alone 3 million. It's impossible. There's no way it can happen. That's what I'm saying over here. Did God speak to Moshe's mouth? Yes, and that's the concept. That's the miracle. Whatever that means, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu spoke through Moshe Rabbeinu's mouth, that is an unbelievable... We don't know what that means. What does that mean? How does that refer to? Obviously, it's there, but that's the miracle. That's the nace. How does that work exactly? Now, the, that, that's Rashi the Ben Ezra. The Kliyakar, because of that, says there's a major difference between the lightning and thunder, the thunder that they heard, and this kola shofar that they had over here. Lightning and thunder, we all know, happens for a very short amount of time. Lightning and thunder is quick, there's a huge clap, and then it's done, right? That's that. It's yet another thing when you have a shofar that lasted a very, very long time. He says, these two kolos, thunder and a shofar, represent the two types of people that there are in this world. You know what they are, the two different types of people? We got the people were like, who are amiratsim. People who got things very quickly, and then it was gone. They got a very like superficial understanding of what's going on, and then it's out of their head, and they don't remember it ever again. And then you had the elders, the chachamim, who heard it, and it stayed with them, and they got stronger and stronger as they thought about it, they, can, they considered it, they weighed it, and they said, okay, here's what I think it means. The pshat is, the lightning and the thunder was the amiratsim, the people who got it, and then it was gone. The kola shofar were the zakanim. They were holech bechazek ma'od. They got stronger as they heard it. And that's the idea, guys. There's two ways of hearing something. There's one hearing something where it goes in, stays for a little bit, rolls around the head a little bit, and then goes right out, and you totally forget it. And there's another thing of hearing something 
and rolling it around inside your head. Now, normally, I know when I speak, it usually goes in and out because I'm speaking so quick. I'm sorry about that. I do apologize. That's why I give you guys sheets. That, that makes sense, right? That, that does make a lot of sense in that way. But the concept is to be able to stop and pause for a second and say, wait a second, what does that mean exactly? What in the world does it mean to have something go inside your head to be able to think about it, to consider it? That idea of the kol shofar holech ma'od, to make it stronger and stronger as things go on, the idea of what it's supposed to be. Now, we already said the ram was used by Akedah Yitzchak, was used over here as well as the shofar. The left one was used at Harsinai. The right one is used lost at level. Ask the Kliakar, why the left for Harsinai and the right one for La'asid Lavo. What's Pshat? And he says, such an obvious idea. Such an obvious idea. We all know. Orech yamim bimina. Right? We know that Torah has arichus yamim on the right-hand side. If you do it in the right way, R-I-G-H-T, the right way, then bimina, you have orech yamim. Osher vechavod bismo. You have riches and honor if you do it in the wrong way. The Gemara says in a low l'shem shamayim way. In our world where Har Sinai happened, unfortunately, many of the people are only keeping Torah because of the outside factors involved. As great as the people were, and we know 49th level of Kedusha, able to see a nevuah of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, looking at a Kaddish Baruch Hu, there was an aspect of Shalol Hashem Shemayim by them. They were not there entirely in the right way. And therefore, because of that, it was the left horn, which stands for Osher Bechavu. They got riches, they got honor, but nothing more than that. That's what it was like at Har Sinai. Only Lavo, only in the future will we get the right horn. Will we allow ourselves to get it in such a way where we'll have Orech Yomim, Arichus Yomim that comes from our keeping of the Torah. Where we're going to do it in the right way only because the Kaddish Baruch Hu told us to do it, not for the reward Shabbat. Not because there's other things involved. That's how he says it was the left one at Har Sinai where unfortunately we were not yet on the level and right side over there. And that's the difference. By Har Sinai, there was an Eglazov 40 days later. Eglazov 40 days later. Lost at level, why will it be any different? What's going to happen that's going to make any different? Maybe there will be another ego as of. Maybe we're going to do it again. After all, it's the same way. At Harsinai, they lost their Yitzhahara. It lost at level. If Mashiach comes, you assume we lose some aspect of the Yitzhahara. So maybe it's going to come back. Maybe there will be another ego as of. It'll be different. Mashiach will show us what it means to be L'Shem Shemaim. What it means to no longer worry about reward. We're hoping that that's the idea that we improve upon, that we impress upon ourselves, that we therefore become Orechim and Bimina. That's the concept of what this chauffeur blast means in the future as opposed to what it is right now. There's a couple over here. I don't know how much, longer, how much more I'm going to be able to say, but I will tell you the following. This is, Kemotzi Shalorov brings down an idea over here that says, in the name of the Chokmas Shlomo Orachim Tafkuf Pehe. I've never heard this before. You know we have a mockery by the Seder Atikios? You know, you have a guy saying, Tekiyah, and then the guy blows it, right? Shvarim, right? And he goes, blows the Shvarim, and then Tekiyah. What's the Pshat? What, what do we need that for? What do we need that for? What's the point of that mockery? What's the point of that mockery? So the obvious answer is, so the guy doesn't mess up. Right? That's the obvious answer. Like, anybody would answer, oh, of course, because you want a guy there just in case. They would do that by Malchus. When Sanhedrin gave Malchus to people, there, there would be a guy there counting. One, and he'd hit. Well, it's actually, there were three people. One guy would say, one. The other guy would say, hit him. And the third guy would hit him. There were three people all together, right? To make sure that everybody, there was like a, a seder to make sure everything happened correctly. That makes a lot of sense. Where is that hinted to in the Torah? Where do we see such a remez in the Torah to such a concept? It says right over here. Moshe, Moshe spoke to Hashem and Hashem answered back. So to speak, Moshe was the makri and HaKadosh Baruch Hu was the one blowing the shofar. There's a concept here. Now, we have to understand what in the world is going on over here. He gives two akdamos to try to explain this idea. Number one, 
The Torah often uses these psukim to describe that the shofar has to be a loud, sharp sound over here. But there's a difference. In Pasuk Tes Zion, it says it was chazak ma'od. In Yud Tes, it was holech v'chazek ma'od. What's the difference? What's the difference between chazak ma'od and holech v'chazek ma'od? Why does it switch Lashonos? He says, that's number one. Number two, Rav Sadigon says the shofar of Rosh Hashanah is based on this Rosh Hashanah at Har Sinai. Not the opposite way. It's not that the shofar on Har Sinai is because of our shofar on Rosh Hashanah. It's the opposite. The shofar on Rosh Hashanah is to remind us of Har Sinai. Why? So he says the following. This is the idea that the Chochmas Shlomo brings up. This is not the Marshal, by the way. Not Rav Shlomo Luria, the author of Chochmas Shlomo in the back of your Gemara, the, Mar- the Marshal, the, the Ateris Zekanim, not him. It's a different Chochmas Shlomo altogether. So he says the following. The people heard all these laws at Matan Torah. They got scared. Are we going to be able to keep this? Because they not only heard the Aseris Adibros, they heard everything incumbent upon them based on the Aseris Adibros. There's Yom Tovim. There's laws on Shabbos. They heard all these things and they said, wait, is this for us? Are we going to be able to do this? We're going from zero to 60 really quickly. Zero to 60. We did, we were just slaves. And all of a sudden we're going to have 613 mitzvahs? You're putting that on us today? What do you do by a ger? When a ger comes into Kalal Yisrael or a Baal you tell the Baal on day one, keep every single mitzvah. You got to keep every single one. What are you, crazy? There's no way the guy's going to be able to do that. You can't tell a Baal to keep every single mitzvah on day one. Okay, here's how you do Natil Zidayim. You can't tell him everything. What do you do? You build him up. You build up the gear. The gear has to work his way up until he's there. So to a Baal you have to build him up until he's ready to accept it. Now, I, I'm not an expert mechanic, but I would assume that that would apply by children as well. You build kids up. You can't expect them to go just like that all of a sudden. You have to build them up. Don't expect your kid to be experts. I remember somebody came to my house and he said, he said when he wants to get married, he wants to have a table like mine. I t- took it as a tremendous compliment, right? But he said, he wants a table like mine with my kids saying Divrei Torah and with a little bit of singing, right? Divrei Torah being said, right? Keeping it, the conversation light and whatever and nice and whatever it is. He's like, I want my, I, I want my, uh, my table to be like, this is what I want. I'm like, this takes years of buildup. Years of buildup. Like, I don't know if I, I, I'm not there yet. I'm not where I want to be on my Shabbos table because still sports finds its way there and I'm not so happy about that. It always finds its way in, especially when a frying's over. But it, it's, it's hard. You know, all of a sudden, like everything comes in and like it's there, you know, just something comes up. I don't know if it's there, but the concept is I know I'm building my way up to the point of what I want it to be. And if I expected this on day one where I'd sit down with my wife and I'd be like, no, zonka dvar teira. It's not an expectation. My kid is sitting there. He's two years old. He comes back from school and he's like, Aleph, Beis. I'm like, what does the Ramban say? <laughs> what are you expecting? What do you want from a two-year-old kid? It's ridiculous. Obviously not. So the Ramban says, the Rambam says, the purpose of the shofar, as we said before, is to wake up the people who are sleeping. Wake up, he says. Wake up. It's time to do juve. It's trying to work on yourself. And the concept is, don't worry about sin. Don't worry about the fact that you might do wrong. Don't worry about the fact that these mitzvot seem impossible to do. Work hard, and if something happens, you'll do tshuva. That's what the shofar represented. The shofar was there to tell them, don't worry, something will happen. You'll be able to work on yourself. Something will be able to come through. The concept, he says, is when one person blows a shofar, it's strong. But when someone helps him, making sure the blasts go off at the right times when everything's there, it makes it even stronger. The concept is showing them the power of tshuva, where one person is helping another person. Everybody's working together to make it happen. That idea... When it's just Moshe blowing a shofar, chazak ma'od. When it's Moshe and Hashem, where Moshe yadaber velokimia nenu bekol, where there's someone else with you, where you're all working up together, well then, 
that's when it becomes holech bechazek ma'od. This is the concept. If you're constantly a holech, as opposed to an omed, when you're an omed and you're just standing, as opposed to a holech, you keep going, you keep walking, you want to go further, that's when you know things are going well. You build yourself up to such a point where everything's happening in the right way. There are ramazim here. There's ksav sofers. There's ksam sofers over here. The idea of trying to build yourself up and how these yitzhahara get, the yitzhahara gets you to do avero slowly. You want to build your way up the other way around where you do mitzvah slowly. And that's why Kaddish Baruch even gave us the mitzvahs that way. You ever notice? It didn't happen all at once. People always say, when did B'nai Yisrael get the 613 mitzvahs? People, it was not at Har Sinai. That is an absolute lie. It couldn't be. They received so many mitzvahs back in Mitzrayim. They learned about Kiddush HaChodesh. They learned about a beaker of uh, investigating korbanos. They learned about the Korban Pesach. They learned about matzah. They learned about chametz. They learned about all these mitzvahs. There were probably about 25 mitzvahs that they learned about in Mitzrayim. Then they came to Mara. They learned about Kibra Ve'em. Remember, that was before the Aserah Zedibros. They learned about Paraduma. They learned about Dinin. On the fourth day of Sivan, they wrote up a Sefer Torah. Inside that Sefer Torah, they had from Barashas all the way up until Yisro. They might have had Parshas Dayanim if Yisro was there beforehand. They had Parshas Amalek that they had already learned. The mitzvahs came to them slowly, little by little. At, the, at Harsinai, they heard about all the mitzvahs, but they were only given ten. And when Moshe Rabbeinu comes down, he tells them about the Mishkan. And as time goes on, he tells them more mitzvahs. And in the 40th year, he continues telling the mitzvahs. The mitzvahs did not come to them all at once. It happened slowly. Holech v'chazek ma'od. It starts off low, and it keeps getting stronger and stronger. And that's what we have to do for ourselves. In order to build ourselves up, you don't build yourselves up by knocking yourself down. That's not what you do. The purpose of tshuva and the purpose of this idea is to slowly build yourself up. Work your way into it. You want to work on yourself? Bench out of a sitter. Bench out of a bencher. Right? So you make sure you're actually saying the words and you don't just find yourself in Uvne Yerushalayim really, really quickly. Right? You just find it. You know, you're like, Baruch Uvne Yerushalayim, and all of a sudden you're like, Amen, and you're done. Right? It shouldn't be that way. Bench out of a sitter. Bench out of a sitter. Say Aleinu out of a sitter. You'd be surprised how many words you're getting wrong. It's not Venema. No, I'm joking. It is Venema. Right? To be able to say, to be able to use these things slowly but surely. Build your way up. Build your way so that you become that person that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to you at the end of time, Mashlich Karcho Kefitim. What do those words mean? Don't worry. You only said it every single day. What does Mashlich Karcho Kefitim mean? You won't be like, uh, where is that? And God says, did you ever say Pesuket Zimra? Did you ever do Tehillim? Did you ever do Hallelujah number two? Mashlich Karcho Kefitim means he throws his arrows like ice. That's not a great translation either. Or he throws his ice like arrows, technically. Mashal karcho, his karach, like feet him like arrows. That, even that, what does that mean? Like you're going to answer, you're going to be like, oh, he throws his ice like arrows. And Hashem's like, what does that mean? You're going to be like, uh. It's David Amel, he was beyond my level. <laughs> That's what you're going to claim, right? You're not going to have any other answer. You're just going to be like, yeah, it's something out there. There's nothing you can do. You build your way up slowly. You learn Pesukitism in English. Read it in English. I told my kids all the time, there is no reason for you to be doing Pesukitism in Hebrew. Not until you learn it in English. Then you start doing Pesukitism in Hebrew. If you're learning, if you're doing, I don't know what they're going to do in school, but if you're doing Pesukitism right now, if you don't know the words in English, then you better be saying your Pesukitism entirely in English. You better be doing it. If you don't know it, do it in English. Don't read it in Hebrew. There is literally no point. Because you're going to go your entire life saying the same words without knowing anything of what you're doing. Do it in English. Do it in English and build your way up. Eventually, maybe Birchus Kriyashma, if you need that also. Shmona Esrei, in theory, if you need it. Build your way up. 
so that you can eventually say it in Hebrew and know what you're talking about. That way, you actually get something out of it. It becomes different when you do it that way. There's an amazing story that Rabbi Yitzhak Zilberstein brings down in Aleinu Shabbat about this. You can read it inside this thing itself, but I'm not going to be able to say it out loud. We'll stop with this, guys. Have a great Shabbos.